following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are around Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1988's Willow, directed by Ron Howard, starring Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, Joanne Whaley, Gene Marsh, and Billy Barty. Willow is a 1988 fantasy film. This movie currently holds a 46% on Rotten and tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Willow, a small farmer apprentice magician, meets Mad Mardigan, a great swordsman, and together they journey through a war-torn land of magic and monsters to save a baby princess from death at the hands of an evil queen. Okay, Willow, tonight's episode was sponsored by Albatross, and if you recall, Kevin, he donated $50, and he said that he wanted to hear us rant and rave about how terrible the Boondock Saints was. Oh, same guy, huh? Yeah, but because we just couldn't find it in our hearts to ever say a bad word about our favorite saints. Couldn't do it. <laughs> about your patron saints. Your, your real patron saints. <laughs> the boondock saints. <laughs> he put in an escape clause for us in his donation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. He said, uh, if that doesn't work for you, then just pick Willow. It has like a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes or something equally undeserving and it's got the kiln in it. That alone makes it amazing. Keep it beefy, Albatross. Okay, Willow, what is your history with with this. I missed this movie the first time around when I was a wee lad, I guess. And Youngster? Yeah. I, Munchkin? I mean, everybody talks about this movie uh, and everybody spoke about it when I was in grade school and middle school and I just pretended that I saw it. I was like, yeah, that movie was amazing. Awesome. Kid, you remember that time with the monsters? And that was it, you know. I went this day living a lie and you know what? I joined the Come <laughs> Clean program and I'm here to rectify that. So I finally saw it. I saw this when I was a child, a wee lad. I saw that one of our... <laughs> One of our mutual friends introduced me to this movie back in, like, the third grade. Really? Yeah, because he loved this movie. And I watched it. I don't even remember having an opinion back then. <laughs> this is, I was a stupid kid. You were just a robot. Yeah, yeah. I just, whatever. You were controlled by, I haven't seen by the this, government. Yeah, I haven't seen this, I think, since then. So I didn't really have any expectations or anything. I, I'm like Martin. I've never saw this movie, which is shocking because it's one of those movies that everybody talks about. Everyone our age has seen it. They won't shut their damn mouths about. This is Goonies level, right? It is. It's at the same level. Willow and Labyrinth and Goonies. I I've think never seen three. Labyrinth either. Either have I. I haven't either. No, it's a future episode, I guess. Yeah, or whatever. You're like, yeah, I have no desire to see that. Not ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss these actors one by one. <laughs> we'll see how you thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> You're mad with power. <laughs> First up, Warwick Davis. I thought he did pretty good. I know him better as Professor Flitwick. Oh, yeah. He's a good actor. This is probably one of his first roles, I would imagine, where he had a, at, at least probably his first lead role. And this I, was his rise to power. Leprechaun. Was that his rise to power? Was that him? Yeah. Kevin. I remember he went to the hood one time. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he also went to, he also went to outer space, right? Outer space, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Those movies are a podcast in and of themselves. But I thought that he did really well. He was supposed to be... Yeah, he's the best thing in this movie. He was he was he was the classic underdog and I appreciated it. It was good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He was he did a good job with this. He's the best part of this movie. Well, next up, making his triumphant return for the seven trillionth time to Yeah, it's that bad. The one, the only Val Kilmer. I immediately take back what I said about Willow's character and said that Val Kilmer is the best part of this movie, and he is the beefiest I've ever seen Val Kilmer. This is grade A beef right here. Uh, this is grade A USDA prime beef. I've oh man, he's a pretty man in this movie. If only Val Kilmer could use the time machine from Deja Vu to look back <laughs> to how he was <laughs> into this era and tell himself, yo bro, don't ever stop doing those crunches. <laughs> he was pretty good in this too. I like the Kilmer here. It was good. He had a subtle charm and grace. I might even say dare say, boyish good looks. Yeah, I would agree. Charming? Uh, yeah. He I, was approaching rock level charisma. Uh, no, that's... That is outland. I'm not gonna stand for this. He is, he is not... You've gone too far. <laughs> You're insinuating that he has the charisma of Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Were you saying that ironically, like when we say two trillion or something like that? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, he was charismatic. He had a lot of 
fun slapstick moments that really added. But how was his hair? Oh, his hair was phenomenal. But you know what? I think that they were extensions. They weren't real. Well, next up, Joanne Whaley. She was super attractive. Is this the daughter? Yeah. I just need to be clear because I, I could qualify for anybody. Oh, what? For like the, the old mo- <laughs> the mother, the, the queen, yeah, or the, the queen. old witch? <laughs> the old witch. No, I mean, like, I am a ardent, disapproving individual about red hair, but time and time again, I'm getting one over. Found her very attractive. Yeah, here's a fun fact about Martin here. <laughs> <laughs> Martin has told people time and time again. I've told everyone on How much earth. he doesn't like red-headed girls, doesn't find them attractive, yet you've dated like 10 <laughs> red-headed <laughs> girls. Yeah, and every time I see a redhead on screen, I'm like, this girl's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, you must shut up about how much you think redheads are ugly. <laughs> So Joanne Whaley, what'd you think? I liked her. I I mean, it, she had maybe like two scenes with us or to do something, and she did a really good job in those. Yep, A number one. Yeah. Plus. I'm going to say plus, that plus. like all of these actors and actresses are pretty on point. There isn't any terrible acting from the mainstay characters of this movie. The scene where her and Kilmer were in the tent together, I th- I liked that scene. I thought they played off each other really well. They had chemistry. Do you think, it was really good. Do you think Val Kilmer was using his, he was probably practicing his Batman voice on her behind the scenes? Absolutely. I like to imagine. He knew 10 years from then he was <laughs> going to be Batman. Okay, next up, Jean Marsh. The queen was overacting every second she was on the screen, but that's probably what they told her to do. That's what this character was supposed to be in this over-the-top movie. Well, she's a caricature yeah. of an evil queen, yeah. so that makes sense. I didn't like her, but whatever. Me neither. I think that she's a caricature of an evil queen. That's probably what she was supposed to do. Did I like the character? Not really. I mean, I, I don't believe that she's like an evil, threatening thing. I think it's. I think she's ridiculous. Okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the history of Willow. George Lucas conceived the idea for Willow, originally titled Munchkins, in 1972. (laughs) I'm glad that he's really sensitive to the feelings of vertically inclined individuals. Lucas's desire for Willow was similar to Star Wars and created a number of well-known mythological situations for a young audience. During the production of Return of the Jedi in 1982, Lucas approached Warwick Davis, who was portraying Wicked the Ewok, about playing Willow Oofgood. Five years passed before he was actually cast in the role. Lucas thought it would be great to use a little person in a lead role. A lot of my movies are about the little guy against the system, and this was just a more literal interpretation of that idea. Lucas explained that he had had to wait until the mid-1980s to make Willow because visual effects technology was finally advanced enough to execute his vision. Meanwhile, actor-turned-director Ron Howard was looking to do a fantasy film. Howard was at Industrial Light and Magic during the post-production phase of Cocoon when he was first approached by Lucas to direct Willow. Howard had previously starred in Lucas's American Graffiti and Lucas felt that he and Howard shared a symbiotic relationship similar to the one Lucas enjoyed with Peter Parker and Venom. <laughs> <laughs> no, that he enjoyed with Steven Spielberg. Pre-production began in late 1986. Various major film studios turned down the chance to distribute and co-finance Willow with Lucasfilm because they believed the fantasy genre was unsuccessful. This was largely due to films such as Crawl, Legend, Dragon Slayer, and Labyrinth. Lucas took Willow to Metro Golden Mire, aka MGM, which was headed by Alan Ladd Jr. Ladd and Lucas shared a relationship as far back as the mid-70s when Ladd, running 20th Century Fox, greenlit Lucas's idea for Star Wars. However, in 86, MGM was facing financial troubles and major investment in a fantasy film was perceived as a risk. Wow, what a shock. MGM, financial trouble? Have they ever not been in financial trouble? Do they even exist anymore? No, I don't think they do. No, they don't exist anymore, I don't think. Ladd advanced half the $35 million budget for Willow in return for theatrical and television rights, leaving Lucasfilm with home video and paid television rights to offer in exchange for the other half. As Val Kilmer was getting out of his crow cage between takes, the chain snapped and the cage came down on his foot. His resulting limp is evident during the scene in which Mad Mardigan and Willow arrive opposite Finn Rizel's island. Joanne Whaley accidentally stuck her sword in a stuntman's foot while sticking the sword into the ground in the tavern. The large group of pigs outside the castle continuously tried mating. Buckets of cold water were used to separate them. (laughs) After meeting on the set of this film, Val Kilmer and Joanne Whaley were married, but later divorced. Warwick Davis's future father-in-law and wife. It shows in that scene. Oh, yeah, the the chemistry was popping. The chemistry is palpable. Yeah, Brad Pitt level. Pitt Jolie level. Oh, yeah. Warwick Davis's future father-in-law and wife appear as Nelwins. John Cusack tested for the role of Mad Mardigan, but lost to Val Kilmer. (laughs) (laughs) You don't think he'd do a good role? No. You saw 2012. (laughs) 
Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's great. Willow was not the blockbuster hit insiders had anticipated. Lucas had hoped Willow would earn as much money as E.T. the Extraterrestrial. But the film faced early competition with Crocodile Dundee 2. (laughs) 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 Big and Rambo 3. However, the film was not a financial flop. With strong foreign home video and television sales, Willow did make a profit, making how much worldwide? 40 mil. 180. For the 80s? Okay. Kevin's staying strong. (laughs) 57 million dollars. At the Academy Awards the film was nominated for sound editing and visual effects but lost both to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Deservedly so. Which was similarly done by Industrial Light and Magic. The film won Best Costume Design at the Saturn Awards where it was also nominated for Warwick Davis for Best Performance by a Younger Actor. Lost to Fred Savage for Vice Versa and Jean Marsh for Best Supporting Actress. Lost to Sylvia Sidney for Beetlejuice. Fred Savage has an Oscar? No, no, uh, a Saturn. Oh. Willow also lost best... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Start sweating. Willow also lost best fantasy film and the Hugo Award for best dramatic presentation to Roger Rabbit. Willow was also nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Screenplay, which lost to Cocktail, and Worst Supporting Actor for Billy Barty, who lost to Dan Aykroyd for Caddyshack 2. <laughs> okay, Willow. So this movie starts out in typical, yeah, it's that bad fashion, with a little bit of white text. Right off the break, I'm just like, this is terrible. You had no idea where we were, so you needed that white text to let you know. Yeah, I guess you need to be told that you're in a fantasy land. I don't know why you need to be told that, but I I thought that the monsters and all the magic would be a dead giveaway. No, absolutely not. I was confused. I thought that it might be like real world that we're in with like different species of humans and... Well, in the opening text, they talk about how there was a prophecy and this baby was going to be born and it's going to grow up to choke the queen to death or... Whatever, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, doesn't even happen. <laughs> the prophecy doesn't come true. That's true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so it's a false prophecy. I can understand why they would want to have that text in there to let us understand what the hell's going on in this storyline. But then again, later in the movie, someone flat out says, this baby was born so that she can fulfill the prophecy. Blah, 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 blah. We didn't really need this text in the beginning. No. Nope. Totally unnecessary. But this is George Lucas that we're talking about, and that's what he does. By the way, Having never seen this movie before and knowing very little about it, when I saw it directed by Ron Howard, that had me scratching my head. Yep. And then it was like, George Lucas. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Another Yats at Bad staple, a crew of misfits getting together. Ron Howard, George Lucas. Oh, this is a ragtag team? <laughs> a ragtag team, a ragtag team, of, team of filmmakers? Of filmmakers assembled to make this movie. <laughs> the baby's born and the queen orders her guards to go around and slaughter every baby in the world. Uh-huh. I guess it just isn't going to be a fresh crop of kids this year. Okay, so right off the bat, this is this is Moses, right? <laughs> Killing all the firstborn. Moses 2.0. They're running away with the baby, and to hammer home that this is Moses, like the Moses story, they put her in a basket of, of wreaths, and she floats downriver to safety. So this woman sends that baby to certain death, right? Could you imagine taking a just-born infant, putting it in a little raft, and sending it down a river? I mean, yeah. it's dead, right? There's yeah. no way that baby's gonna live. I mean, Dyfus should be involved at this point, I think. <laughs> it floats for 300,000 miles. <laughs> and the baby never moves. It never, like, turns over once. Right, so this little bundle of joy floats downstream. It goes down the Congo Rapids. <laughs> and it touches down, drops anchor at the, the Nelwyn village where w- Willow lives. So right away, Willow runs down to the stream because his his progeny find this, I guess to them, it's like a giant baby. Yeah, he says that. He says yeah. that they're, they're giants from the north or whatever. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, is Willow just a Hobbit ripoff? And is this whole thing a Lord of the Rings ripoff? Absolutely. Kevin, I mean, what are your thoughts on this issue? I mean, it's, it's just like they had to return the ring to... What was it? Mount Mordor, Mordor or something like that? <laughs> it, you have to return a baby to some place. You have to drop the baby in a volcano. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing. You have, to, it's, you have to safeguard something. There's a ragtag team that gets put in charge of doing that. And it just so happens there are dwarfs involved both times. I mean, Lucas is notorious for taking his stories and directly adapting them to follow like a, a biblical format. You know, This movie is very Star Wars-y, which is what I was struck with I was watching it. Like, I could really feel the Lucas touch on this. It's that the whole hero's journey thing was very similar, and it even had, like, the scene transition wipes from 
from Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. Cheesy irising in and stuff like that. I mean, Lucas, you can, his, his touch is felt everywhere in this movie. I mean, I'm sure. Divine he, spark. Yeah. Yeah. With the storyboarder, he's like, okay, swipe it. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like it was a struggle for them just to get the money to make this movie. It's almost like they made this because they couldn't make a Lord of the Rings movie. Willow's family, they find the baby. And as much as it pains me to say this, but Willow's immediate family is some of the worst acting I've ever seen in a Yes, That Bad Feature film. I mean, this is atrocious. I mean, I know they're kids. Yeah, I know I they're mean, like, it's, it's, they're probably it's the like same, three or four year old kids. Yeah, I mean, it's the same Man, problem. Man, they were they have The awful. kids were cute. It's the same problem that we have over and over again in this show. It's like, how hard do we come, do we drop the hammer on like seven year old kids? They're little kids. Yeah, I'm not gonna beat them to death with a horse whip or anything, but. How, I don't even know how you would do that. What do you like, <laughs> crumple it together and then beat them? Because a, a whip is like a flimsy thing. <laughs> I'll say this the little boy was yeah. my wife's favorite part of this whole movie. Why? She loved him. Baby fever? Kevin? Thought he was the cutest thing she's ever seen. Baby fever? Yeah. Biological t- clocks are ticking. Yeah, maybe that's it. Is there going to be another little Kevin run around soon? Kevin Jr. Jr.? Kevin Jr. Jr. Jr.? Whoa! <laughs> we'll take your baby, put him in the river. I'm going to give my adventure. kid the middle name, Jr. It's going to be Kevin Jr. <laughs> Jr. So it's Kevin Jr. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they, they're having this uh, festival in the village. I like this part. There's some happiness, uh, some magic tricks. I know Kevin was really drazzled-dazzled by Willow's magic. Yeah, he was putting on a good show. He was it putting was, on a clinic. It was like a renaissance fair. <laughs> it was, but it was their real life. Yes. Right? <laughs> hey, look, for a backwoods, backwater village that they're living in, getting any magic show is a luxury for them. So I don't know why they're so, I don't know, antsy and upset about him performing magic tricks. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we get to see in these scenes that Willow's a failure. He's a loser. Loser. No one likes him. He's the town joke buffoon. He's a real underdog. Yeah, everyone was laughing at him. Yep. His magic trick failed. He bombed. People were booing and laughing at him. Mm-hmm. His wife cheated on him. His yeah. kids were embarrassed by him. <laughs> yeah, his kids disowned him. <laughs> his kids asked for a legal divorce from the family. <laughs> While the festival is going on, these rat dogs appear <laughs> and they start ripping people to shreds. They looked like rat boars to me. They look like pigs. Yeah, these these things were scary. I was a little kid. I'd be freaked out by these things. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so these rat creatures, they come in and they start ripping babies to shreds because they're looking for this specific baby. So they're, they're in baby killing mode. Someone told them, listen, go kill as many babies as possible, right? Yep. They were on a baby destroying mission. Yeah. <laughs> so you can destroy. <laughs> so King Herod sent them to kill all the babies. <laughs> yeah, he, he washed his hands of this. And <laughs> that was completely... <laughs> Moses, King Herod and Pontius Pilate got together <laughs> Kill all the babies. Kill all the babies. <laughs> they have the town council. And I thought this was funny. Willow comes in with the baby and everyone's screaming like, whoever did this, we got to throw him in a pit. Yeah. Kill him. <laughs> ah, that was good. And Willow tried to walk away, but they, they found him. And they come to the conclusion that we got to get rid of this baby. The baby's a bad omen. So we need to assemble a party, ragtag team, if you will. Send them out to the crossroads where Bone Thugs and Harmony are hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> And they have to deliver this baby to the first person that they see. (laughs) I'm glad you got that. (laughs) Oh, God, that's awesome. Okay, so they head on out with their ragtag team of warriors. This is the Fellowship of the Ring again. By the way, two of the people that are in this fellowship, I'm pretty sure I've seen them in Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. They're Kramer's buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one for sure. The warrior guy. Yeah. Yeah. The both both of them were the warriors. Okay. So they head out to the crossroads, and that's where we get a little taste of Al. Yeah, first, mm, I can really taste. (laughs) What? Mm. What are you talking about? Oh, you didn't know? So Val was there. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, all right, go ahead. So Val is there, and he's trying to convince them to let them to let him out of the cage. I don't know why he was put there, and they never really explain it. Apparently, there was a very rich backstory on Val Kilmer's character and the uh, the bad girl Sorcia, whatever. But that was cut from the movie. And if you wish to learn about it, Martin, I can see it in your eyes. You're dying to know. I have no desire to know anything more about this movie. You can read the extended universe comic books that <laughs> answer all those questions. I'm running out immediately to purchase them. <laughs> on. <laughs> 
my Kindle Fire from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, so Val Kilmer is in this cage, hanging, crow's cage. He's going to die of starvation at some point. Thirst. He's going to die of thirst first. Die of thirst. Yeah. Die of boredom. He's a very thirsty boy. He's going to die of diarrhea. And he is trying to get them to let him out of this cage. And he's saying that he'll take care of this baby. And it's just, you know, typical desperation. A army storms by. Val Kilmer apparently knows one of these knights, which is going to be not important at all later on in this story. <laughs> I don't know why they take the time to introduce this character at all. Tell me that knight didn't look like he was Jake Busey. I'm not going to because he looked like Jake Busey. I thought he was Jake Busey. <laughs> it's not, though. It's not Jake Busey. Okay, so he gets out of the cage and they're on a quest to, I guess, get this baby back to wherever it needs to go. But the baby gets stolen. Yeah, yeah. Willow needs to get rid of this baby. So he was told, give it to the first human you see. So he gives it to Val Kilmer. But Val Kilmer is like a rogue, you know? He's not Sean Connery level rogue, but he's a rogue nonetheless. Yeah, he takes the baby. And of course, I assume that Val Kilmer just like tossed the baby over his shoulder the moment he, <laughs> he left them or something. Because 10 seconds later, as Willow and his buddy are walking back home, an eagle flies by. Being ridden by a super small person. Yeah, and he's got the baby in its claws and the baby's crying. It's like Yoshi's Island. You can hear the baby crying and it's flying around in the air. Yeah, and there's a timer on the side. Uh, okay, so this hawk digs its talons deep into the baby's body, it's, severely it's, it's holding injuring the, it. It's holding the baby from the soft spot in its skull, right? Or in the font <laughs> Yeah, so its talons Absolutely. are going Digging directly into its, brain. into its brain, causing irreparable bleeding and hemorrhaging. And Willow sees that and is like, oh no, I gotta go stop it. It's not the baby. Yeah. It's the baby. Essentially, the baby being lost and found serves the purpose of introducing us to this ragtag team of adventurers with these tiny little Lilliputian-like <laughs> people. The, the brownies. Yeah, the brownies, which is... The Girl Scouts. Yeah, they're just, Yeah, they're selling cookies. <laughs> Yeah, there's these little tiny men who are lorded over by fairies and the fairy queen. Well, she tells them all to go on this quest to deliver the baby to this castle somewhere. Blah, blah, blah. The real important question here, why are the brownies French Canadians? (laughs) 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 That's a legit question, right? (laughs) When I was watching this movie, I'm like, wait, these people are French? (laughs) But no, they're speaking English, so they're French. They're from Montreal, probably. Uh, Somewhere in the province of Quebec. so that's where this movie's taking place. It's taking Canada, the province of Quebec, somewhere. <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't even realize that. That's exactly what they sound like. Why would they have those accents? <laughs> So weird. This is uh, at least a half hour in. Yeah. And nothing's really happened. What's happened? Nothing's really happened. <laughs> nothing's happened. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh. We're just following people through the woods. That's all we're doing. Hey, they, man, that's a Lord of the Rings trademark. I know. It's like, Let's gosh, walk. I've no, done this it's before. not. That's not I've a Lord of the Rings I've done this for 12 hours already. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to watch people walk through the forest anymore. I'm that's sorry. not a Lord of the Rings trademark. Lord of the Rings, interesting, exciting, adventure-filled stuff. Stuff happens. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But you guys must have I saw people walking and sauntering, <laughs> skipping, tiptoeing through the tulips. You guys must have saw a different. I remember them sitting down and resting a lot. Yeah, <laughs> they were eating potatoes. And- no, they were eating litmus <laughs> bread, and then at some point they were talking about potatoes. Yeah, you know, mince them up, chop them up, put them in a stew. Okay, so they finally make their way to a, a bar or tavern. Yeah, a nice little bar scene, pretty rowdy. This kind of reminded me of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Very rowdy, fun bar. Some slapstick. Ensued. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're still looking for the uh, for the baby, and of course, yeah, Willow, Val- Willow goes into this biker bar essentially looking for milk. Does anybody have breast milk for this baby? <laughs> he just walks up to women. Yeah, he's like, "Can I have your breast milk?" <laughs> they're like, "Get the hell out of here!" Can you imagine if you walked up to some woman at a bar right now and with a baby? This like, can my baby eat your milk? <laughs> You're lactating now, right? <laughs> The women's response to this is is not outlandish. What's outlandish in this scene is what Willow's doing. He's yeah. out of his mind. Doesn't somebody smash him across like the, yes. the bar with the baby in his hand? Yeah. He like he hits a wall ten miles an hour. Uh huh. Ten okay. miles an hour. <laughs> he hits the ball at jogging speed. He hits the wall. He just jogs into it. Okay, so Val Kilmer's there. Yeah, Val, yeah Willow. Val Kilmer is set up as like a lecherous individual, oh, yeah. and he is. There's some cross-dressing Kilmer. Action. Yeah, Willow opens the door and we see one of the yes that bad staples. Gender bending. Ooh, 
gender bending makes his triumphant return to Yes That Bad. I was like, happy to have it. I was yeah. happy to have it with Kilmer, no less. Because this is the first time I think that we've gotten Kilmer gender bending. Guys, these are the golden days of gender bending <laughs> in films, isn't it? <laughs> it really was. He was he was fixing his fabricated breasts, pushing them up, moving them around, pushing them all up into his face. I was like, <laughs> he's bending real hard. Now I dare to compare Kevin Klein or Val Kilmer as a woman. Val Kilmer. Yeah, Val Kilmer. For sure. In woman mode? Absolutely. What, you're going to take Klein? (laughs) You're out of your mind if you take Klein. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to have to ponder this. Come back to me later. Oh, this is a really fun scene, though. Never have I seen a precocious youth ponder such pernicious popping milk <laughs> projectors. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> this was um, this was a fun scene. This was probably the most fun scene in this movie for me. Of him in there, the woman's husband comes back. He's trying to convince the husband he's he's a woman. Grabs the baby. It was fun stuff. I, I like this one part where like the the bad girl, the redhead, she comes in and Val Kilmer is holding the baby, and she's like, "Let me see that baby." And Val Kilmer just like shoves her across the room. Like, get the hell out of here. I thought that was really funny. That was really good. But I agree with you. This is good stuff. I thought the first 20 minutes or so of this movie had some fun slapstick humor. We got to see a, a baby vomit into a fat man's mouth. He was gargling with it. We were laughing and laughing here. Yeah. There's a lot of slapstick humor in this movie. After that, when the movie actually starts, when the plot actually kicks in, this thing just takes a turn for the worse. It just becomes the most generic thing. So Kilmer agrees to to escort Willow and the baby. <laughs> the Val, Val Kilmer escort service? <laughs> <laughs> to some island or something that the little brownies know about where supposedly there's a witch that will protect the little baby. They are on their way there. My disc froze at some point, so I'm but, not even yeah. really sure what happened Let's talk here. about that. Kevin and I both rented this thing off of Netflix and both of us had issues with our DVDs. It kept freezing yeah. in different places. There's, there's anywhere from 10 seconds to 10 minutes of this movie that I think I missed. So there's this animal there and that's the witch. She's been turned into an animal by the evil queen. So Willow takes this animal witch to the mainland and everyone gets captured. And the next hour is pointless fluff. Essentially. Eventually yeah. they make it to this castle, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the siege siege. That I mean, itching to talk about. Well, that's their end point. That's where they're trying to get to. They get followed around this entire movie and the only scene that I can think of is where Val Kilmer gets smacked in the face with this love dust okay it's like a love potion and he puts the move on this princess and from that moment on there's this like insinuation that she actually likes him yeah well he was speaking some sweet poetry to her in that tent are you taking notes Uh, your touch is worth a hundred thousand deaths you could use that for your wife so that so that she likes you (laughs) (laughs) i really like this scene this scene of them in the tent when he's kind of fawning over her their their chemistry was good the lines in the scene were good but eventually willow and val kilmer they grab the baby they jump on a sled basically and they start heading out of this camp did they camp on Mount Kilimanjaro they were sledding for four hours <laughs> that was in they were they were in Nepal how they long were, did they sled for right they just kept going and going and going they were, they were camped at they were at base camp on Everest they were going, <laughs> going sledding down <laughs> I could, they must have been going 3,000 miles an hour by the time they were at the bottom. Well, Val Kilmer falls off the back of the sled, and he kind of disappears, I guess, onto the mountainside there. They eventually cla- uh, crash the sled into, like, a mountainside hut, and 25 minutes later, Val Kilmer rolls down to this hut as, like, a giant cartoonish snowball. How did that ha- How is he still alive? He should just be crushed and suffocated by, like, 10 tons of snow. <laughs> Actually, I... I, I laughed at this. I thought it was pretty funny. I got a kick out of it. That was one of the few times they were actually like trying to have fun with this movie. The rest of it was just so boring. Okay, so they eventually make it to this castle siege where Val Kilmer finds he finds his weapon. He finds his magical golden suit of armor. Yeah, they were told to go to this castle because there'd be an army there to protect them and to help them. But when they get there, the castle's just empty. Well, the people were turned to stone. Yeah, they were, they were stoned. They were stoned. stoned. Yeah, everyone was stoned. They couldn't do anything. They were all <laughs> eating brownies. <laughs> They were, they were eating bra- the uh, yeah the, the mob from Transformers too. They, they were <laughs> <laughs> they're eating brownies, the confectionery delight, not the little tiny imaginary people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're they're not like monstrous cannibals like eating living people. I was just thinking that like if if Val Kilmer ate the brownie, is that cannibalism? I mean, they're, yeah, because they're they're, they're, they're people. They're not the same species, but they are like <laughs> they are they are like sentient right? beings. Yeah, <laughs> they they have their own like culture. They communicate with each other. He just grabbed Kevin Pollock and bit his head off. <laughs> His blood shooting out into his face. No, it's, that's definitely cannibalism. No, it's not. How is that not? He's a living, he's a person. It's he's just a little a mini human. Person. <laughs> You're saying that if there's a little it's, person it's, it's on the not, table right now. I see cannibalism would, as eating your own species. Yeah, one to one, right? Yeah. Look, if, if Joel says that's cannibalism and he is our devout speciesist on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that that's cannibalism. I, I guess it depends, right? Were they big people once and the queen shrunk them down? No, no, no. Oh, they're, or hey. are they their own species of beings? They're their own species of beings. But that's not cannibalism. Okay, they're... Eat away. They're <laughs> munch on those brownies. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Shout out, bro. <laughs> All right, so let's say that there's a little person here. You'd pick them up and they're like, no, Kevin, no. You take a bite out of their face? Like... <laughs> I wouldn't eat them raw. Okay, cook, cook them so, first. So it's like, no, Kevin, no. And you're putting them in like a pot, like a lobster. Like, yes. Ah! <laughs> I'd be like the guy in One Crazy Summer. Oh, what? Where he's got the stethoscope yeah, on? He's yeah, like, I'd have that on the pot as I'm the listening one. to them scream in the pot as they boil to death. <laughs> uh, that's a good movie. All right, so they're in this empty castle, Willow's moving around, and as we see from this one long shot of the castle, we can see these black figures moving and grooving along the walls of the castle. That's the best way to describe what they're doing, right? right? Yeah. They're moving and grooving. They're dancing around on the side (laughs) of the castle to find gravity. (laughs) (laughs) They finally show up, and they're supposed to be trolls, and to me, I have a very specific, dare I say, rigid view of what I think a troll looks like. It shouldn't look like the half-humanoid, half-monkey character from Land of the Lost, right? I was just oh going God. to say that. Chaka, whatever the hell his yeah, name was. Yeah, gotcha. But that's that's what these things look like, They're though, little right? monkey men, these things. Banana men. <laughs> okay, so if this banana monkey man jumped out from under a bridge and demanded some type of toll from you, would you pay it? I'd, I'd, laugh sl- his I'd face. slap him and <laughs> start kicking him. Are you kidding me? These things are so scary looking. <laughs> I would start kicking them in the ribs, I'd be laughing terrified. at them. How do you think they smelled? Oh my god! Horrible. Gosh. They look like they smelled atrociously. Like feces and vomit <laughs> mixture. It smelled the hint of urine. Yeah. It smelled like an uncleaned zoo cage. <laughs> Fact. Well, Willow has this magic wand that the fairy queen, the magic fairy, <laughs> he's got this wand and he doesn't know how to use it because he's a bumbling fool. Mm-hmm. So he he casts a spell. He goes Avada Kedavra. <laughs> <laughs> on this troll thing, and what happens to the troll is this is a horrifying. Destiny, this is a destiny infinitely worse than death. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this looks excruciatingly painful, oh, so the- horrifyingly doom-driven. Like, oh, it's horrible. I was a little kid and I saw this. That would burn something into my brain for life. This troll, which is essentially a little hairy human, drops to his knees, screeches <laughs> in absolute <laughs> agony. His skin rips off. It just rips off. We see his bloody innards jiggling around (laughs) and then his body curled up in a fetal position and just melds into this disgusting brain thing. And then two separate heads scream and burst out. These demonic snake things burst out. Yeah, just like Alien. Okay, so so now there's this new creature that screams in agony as it's bursting out of this amorphous organ blob. Yeah, Willow's like a satanic sorcerer. Will this thing into existence? Yeah, so Willow kicks this disgusting Lovecraftian abomination into the moat. Okay, so this giant Hydra mon- fire-breathing monster comes out, and at this point, the castle is now being completely sieged by the princess's forces that are trying to capture this baby. And so there's this battle going on. The Val Kilmer, I guess, is fighting this group of soldiers that are trying to take over the castle. This monster is, at the same time, attacking everyone and anyone. There really is no differentiation between who is friend or foe for this organism, and it's just devouring human flesh with complete and wild abandon. One of the things I thought was funny about this whole sequence of events, while this giant, disgusting, two-headed demon creature is spitting fire, which, by the way, looked like it had testicles... <laughs> 
like enormous testicles growing out of its mouth. So yeah, they're Balchinians. I mean, that's not <laughs> uh, that's not too far off the mark, right? No, they look like that. I don't know where they came up with the design for this monster. It I've never like... seen anything like it before in my life. <laughs> the things hanging off the bottom of their heads looks like the bottom of like some kind of baleen whale yeah. and like a ball sack combined. <laughs> I don't know what depraved mind <laughs> created this thing. Yeah, so this thing is just shooting fire, eating people left and right. And the whole time, Willow, there's a recurring theme in this movie where the regular human beings are running around fighting and doing stuff. And Willow's in the background tending to the baby. And I'm sure at some point the screenwriters were like, okay, this is so boring. We can't just have Willow stand by and watch all the time. We have to have him do something. So well, in the foreground, all this crap is happening. In the background, Willow is always having to take care of a threat that would be minor to anybody else, mm-hmm. but is big to him. Yeah. And that happens a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, he's fighting a troll, one of the little monkey men. He's screwing around with one of them, casting spells, he's dancing around. One of the things that struck me while I was watching this is that this castle's been deserted. The people have been turned to stone, mm-hmm. and it must have happened a long time ago, this then turned to stone. Yeah, probably. So this castle's been abandoned for a really long time. These trolls have probably been living here in peace for years. <laughs> this is their home, and these jerks, they burst in, and they just start murdering them. <laughs> So you're taking the troll side. Yeah, I'm a trollist. Look, if you want the boys whole, you have to pay the toll troll. <laughs> Very good. No, that's, I mean, that's completely understandable. These trolls did nothing wrong, and Willow comes in and starts casting his demonic spells on them, <laughs> destroying their life. He, he cracked it with a Necronomicon. He's just... <laughs> I mean, if anything, the only theme that's hammered home in this movie for me is that Willow has no right or place to be handling such a powerful magic relic. He just, Absolutely. he just, he just is is causing mayhem and despair. Whoever, whoever gets in, in his way, it's just their life is ruined forever. He just shoots it off willy nilly, despite the fact when he has the times where he's getting like lessons, he's a failure. He can't do it. There's actually some decent stuff in here. I mean, Val Kilmer does a little slap comedy in here that I appreciated uh, broke up the monotony of what's been going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. He hit Skeletor in the face with a broadsword. Yeah, yeah. One of the villains in this movie, the Darth Vader of Willow is this guy with a black suit of armor with a skull face. Not impressed. Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, Skeletor man. Not impressed with this guy. So Val Kilmer sees that Willow's having some trouble with a troll on the top of the castle, so he jumps on top of a catapult, mm-hmm. and Kevin, you had some issues with this sequence. He's on the other side of this castle. He's at least 100 yards away. He jumps in his catapult that had like a little dainty string on it that he hits with the sword. And you can tell the footage of him flying off the catapult. He's going to go like three feet. Yeah. He went right onto a soft mat that was right in front of that catapult. Yet we're supposed to believe that he went soaring through the air for 100 the yards. the greatest of ease. And crashed into the wall of the castle on the other side. First of all, I have a problem with the people that actually did the stunt work in this movie because... <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, go on, go on. <laughs> well, you just told me in the history of this movie that Val Kilmer is being injured by these by these morons. <laughs> He's like getting his foot crushed by like metal cages and like things are breaking. <laughs> and then on top of that, when they finally show me the the cutscene of this of Val Kilmer hitting the wall, he was moving at seven trillion miles an hour into this wall. <laughs> he should have just turned into like a liquid like goo onto the side of the wall and just like been squished. But he hits that at a million miles per second and then falls on this, I guess, monkey man and just kind of like slaps him and kicks him off the side of like the bridge. He pulls some karate moves. Yeah. He like roundhouse kicks him off the bridge. I feel bad for these trolls. And then for some reason he jumps off the bridge and onto the, one of the, the two-headed dragon heads. And then the head comedically explodes. Why did he even bother attacking that thing? It was helping him. <laughs> it's him against everybody else. See, like, that's... That's a good point right that's, there. That, that's why I, I was confused. That's why I thought he went up there. I thought he went up there to attack that Hydra thing. You grab the baby, you grab Willow, you sneak out the back and let the army deal with this demon. Yeah. That you unleashed upon the world. <laughs> Alright, so when they're at the when they're at this castle, after Kilmer blows up the two-headed demon. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, That's what he does, though. The skeleton face guy, he grabs the baby and he makes a run for it. And he brings it back to the evil queen at her castle. So Val Kilmer and, and Willow and everyone else. They, the, the queen's daughter. The queen's daughter. Does a little double cross of her own. She does. And she joins Willow and Val Kilmer's side for reasons I'm yet to understand. Love? She's in love. Love, I guess. It, it snapped her out of... Love conquers all, Drill. Never heard of it. <laughs> I've never heard of love. I've never felt love. No, no. He. It's not that he hasn't felt it. He's just never heard of it. It's a really foreign concept. <laughs> so then this other army shows up to help them too. So they all head to this other castle. The evil queen comes out and she decides to make them all pigs. So she casts a spell and every human turns into a sweaty, stinky pig. <laughs> yeah. That's, you like this scene? That's disgusting. No, I didn't. At this point, I was just like, come on. Come on, guys. Let's get this over. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. I had this thought continuously while I was watching this movie. I was like, you know what? This isn't a bad movie, but I just want this to end. Yeah. I just want this to end now. I had enough. I had my fill of this two-bit fantasy world. So the queen immediately starts this ceremony in which she's going to banish the little baby to another world. Another world. Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone. Absolutely. Okay. So she gets the Phantom Zone projector out. Yep. <laughs> no, she she has, I guess, her ceremonial blood bowls and her ceremonial altar below this gridiron. Her white. giant picture of Vigo from Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> is hanging up. And the good witch comes in to stop this ceremony. So there's going to be a final showdown and a uh, final countdown and a final bro down between the good witch and the evil queen. And they're going to whip out their wands and see which one is bigger. So the good witch starts casting element spells on her and the queen starts shooting fire and Willow's in the background just kind of holding this piece of wood that is wrapped in a blanket. It's supposed to be a baby, yeah. I think it's supposed to be a baby. Yeah, these two witches are shooting spells at each other and they're ricocheting all over the room. One of them hits a, a bedpan, poo flies out of it, and it, it sprouts legs and it starts walking around. Again, we can't just have Willow standing around doing nothing. We, we need him to do something. <laughs> so he hits this bedpan with like a, a pitchfork. I don't know what that's doing up in the, a bell tower of a castle. What are they, bailing hay out of a giant castle? I thought this whole sequence of events was really poorly done because we have the two witches fighting in this room with Willow watching. That is clearly the most important thing in this movie because the baby's there and the baby's life is at stake. Meanwhile, while they're fighting outside in the courtyard, these two armies are battling this completely pointless, arbitrary war that has nothing to do with anything and will amount to nothing. What was the point of any of it? Yeah, there was none. During this arbitrary fight scene that amounted to nothing, that meant nothing, that happened for no reason at all, Skeletor throws a man to the ground with his ass perched up towards the sky and he just digs his sword directly into the man's butt. He puts a puts a broadsword in his butt. That's not an exaggeration. That's how it was cut. That's how it was edited. <laughs> it, it was like a really bizarre way to show this scene. I don't know if they fleshed that out in the storyboard or what they did. I assume he was supposed to be stabbing that guy in the back or something, killing him that way. It looked it like, looks it like he's him. driving that sort of his ass. <laughs> like as hard as he could. <laughs> it was unreal. This fight scene ends with Yeah, that one the queen. The Jake Busey guy dies in the worst. He's like, I'm dead. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember his acting when he died is awful. Yeah, it was comical. The Skeletor guy gets stabbed in his genitals and kicked off a he, he gets kicked off a, a castle drawbridge. Yeah, I was yawning and falling out of my chair. It was boring. Joel was, was, was snoring. Yeah. The old man <laughs> bumped his head and <laughs> bumped his head and went to bed. Um, Couldn't get up in the morning. And and then at this point of the movie, the good witch gets blasted across the room and falls to the ground and 10 trillion tons of rubble crush her skull <laughs> and kill her instantaneously, I think. Yeah, Willow comes up. He's like, I'm a, I'm a super sorcerer, whatever. I'm going to kill you. I'm a super saiyan. Yeah, he's a super I'm an SSJ level five. Sorcerer. Yeah, sorcerer, yeah, yeah, yeah. This really quick series of events happens where Willow does nothing. He's just standing there. He does a magic trick. The queen is like, that's impossible. Can't believe it. A person who can literally do magic is baffled by this parlor <laughs> trick. <by> a magician. <laughs> so 
just like, okay. And and the first time I saw this, I did not understand what happened here. This is all I saw. Willow makes the baby disappear. The queen goes, huh? A lightning bolt comes out of nowhere. And then the queen explodes into a red fart gas and then fades away. No joke. Me and Joel watched this scene. Ten times? At least. And it took us. It just cut so weirdly. It, it took me like to legitimately follow this scene. It took me like 11 or 12 viewings to figure out what the <laughs> hell was going on. You guys devoted way more time than I did. I watched it once and I said, I don't understand how the witch died. (laughs) (laughs) I just moved on. Yeah, it was just really choppy, poor editing on, I'm blaming George Lucas wrong. I'm I'm always happy to see angry fart clouds in movies, but I want to know where they come from. (laughs) Whose ass did that come from? Yeah. Yes, then we're treated to a very Star Wars-esque celebration at the end. Straight out of Star Wars. Yeah, this is the end of the first Star Wars movie where they get pinned with their medals after the Death Star Trench run, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone's been, everyone's bathed, they're wearing new clothes, got their hair done, celebrating their victory. Val Kilmer's a husband now? Yeah, seems like father. he's husband, father. They adopted the baby. Mm-hmm. That's what was insinuated, right? Yeah. And then it all of a sudden cuts back to Willow's Shire village, and he's a hero too, but Joel, you brought up something that I didn't think of immediately, but is absolutely true. Yeah, Willow comes home from this journey, right? And I'm assuming a couple months have transpired since he originally left from, to drop this baby off at the crossroads. So Willow comes back home, and they all start cheering for him. The last time he was in the village, they hated him. All of them hated him. They thought he was a loser. Uh And he hasn't actually, like, they they don't know if he actually accomplished anything. He hasn't done anything. What did he do in this movie? He didn't do anything. He carried a baby around. He threw an egg corn. Yeah, did a lot. He created the two-headed monster. Oh, yeah. He he spat in the face of God and (laughs) created an abomination. (laughs) For that, they cheered. It's like, woo! You're a hero. Great job. Like, all right, the end. Thank God. (laughs) And that was Willow. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. The big budget can't conceal the fact that this fiction is fallow, more root-bound than spell-bound. Rita Kempley, Washington Post. Though children will mostly be enthralled by the spectacles, even they might notice the weak story protruding through the industrial magic. Desson Thomas, Washington Post. And finally, at the story level, Willow is turgid and relentlessly predictable. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, guys, this movie has a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad. Yeah, I'd say 46 to 55 is probably like an accurate rating for this movie. The story is really, really dull and predictable, and it goes on forever. <laughs> I I mean, to be completely honest with you, I, I think a lot of it might just be like, I am too old for this movie. If I was like 10 years old, I probably would have been enthralled by this. Back 19... If, if I saw this in 1988, I probably would have loved it. But right now, I mean, as a 27-year-old man, this is not winning me over, and the story is really really bad. Um, the acting isn't terrible. The acting is was actually surprisingly good for what I was expecting and can't get enough of that young Val beef. So I'm probably going to give this movie uh, I, I, I want to give it a three because I think as a kid I really would have liked it, but as I am right now, I'm, I'm going to give it a two. The story's abysmal. Yeah, for me it is that bad. I'm going to give it a two out of five too. Um, think that this was perfectly suited for children when this movie came out. I don't know if this would hold up to today for a, a ten-year-old in today's society. This movie's very long and not much happens. And kids these days don't have attention spans for that kind of stuff. They'd be pulling out their DSs in about two seconds. They don't have attention spans like we did when yeah, we were kids. Exactly. We could sit for hours and just watch people walk around through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did on the weekends. I just sat I just sat on, on trail markers and watched people walk through the woods. <laughs> Yeah, I, if this was a movie that I liked a lot when I was a kid, it doesn't hold up today. Um, yeah, it's just too boring. I go into this movie already with a handicap because I don't like fantasy for the most part. Fa- stuff like this. When I think of fantasy, I think of stuff like this. Lord of the Rings style things where people, all they do is walk around through the woods and stuff. I'm shocked they didn't go into a cave in this movie because there's always <laughs> caves in these damn fantasy stories. Yeah, yeah so I, I didn't care for this movie at all. There were some fun parts in it, granted, in the beginning. Like, like that 
fat guy getting bird diarrhea in his mouth and baby vomit in his mouth. That was funny. I thought that was great. Val Kilmer had some nice little slapstick stuff, but as a whole, I just didn't care for this movie. It was way, way too long for a story that could have been condensed to a more manageable size. Yeah, I didn't care for this movie. Two out of five. It's a shame because this is supposed to be a classic, right? Everybody loves this thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely... That window is shut. It's just too late. I, I just waited too long to see this. For a lot of people, this is definitely like an, you know, an integral part of their childhood. Like when they think of like childhood movies, this is one that comes up. This, Goonies, Labyrinth, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we definitely give a lot of leeway to the ones that we've already seen. Like Jumanji and stuff. Do you think we would have been okay with that? I don't Probably, know. I, I mean... That's a better movie than this. Jumanji is a much better movie than that. I, I mean, if I'm almost scared to watch the Goonies now because I got a feeling that that movie is not going to hold up. So I'm just going to let that sleeping dog lie. All right, let's read some listener mail. Okay, so last week we read an email and uh, we poked a little fun at it. And uh, I think we took it a little bit too far. Things got a little bit out of hand. And uh, for that, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Boys I- will be boys. <laughs> It is. It is all in good fun. Yeah, it's I know. Not, it's not. It's not meant to offend anybody or hurt anyone's feelings. And if it did, for that, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate our listeners. That's the most important thing that I want to get across here. So yeah, and I, I hope everyone knows that. I mean, we try to point that out as much as possible. Yeah, like wh- when it comes down to like listening to people that write in or people's suggestions or how they think of the show critically, we try to take as much of what they say, think, and feel into account when we try to work out how this show is going to be structured and what we say and how we go about saying it. So if anything that we say comes off as harsh... Yeah, we're just joking around. We're just joking around. It's all in good fun. Nothing nothing that's said on this show is serious. That's a fact. There's, I mean, this show is... Not once have we ever said anything I don't, I mean, I don't don't think I've actually ever said anything on this show that I would take as serious or important, really. Okay. Greg writes in and says, Hey guys, thanks for the recommendations. Oh, this is Gregory with his movie project, One a Day. Uh, Thanks for the recommendations and having me as the question of the week. Depending on when you read this, I will probably be in the 250s for my films or in the 240s. Here is a link below for my review on one of the films recommended. So he reviewed Happy Accidents, Hmm. which I told him to see. Yeah. Once again, thank you for your recommendations. Every time I watch a movie you recommend, I will give you another email how I felt about the movie. I will post a link to this in the show notes so everybody else can see what he thought of Happy Accidents. Okay. Both Ren and Kristen both wrote in very long, detailed emails about equilibrium. I'm not going to read them both because they both hit on the same topics, but the basic ideas are, how is it possible that a world without any emotions could have families and kids? Because if no one in their right mind would ever want to take care of an obnoxious little kid if they weren't emotionally attached to it. I would imagine that in the world that they're living in, where they're taking this drug, prosium, that removes their emotions, there's tons of propaganda going on, and they're probably educated in such a way that requires them to procreate, have families and keep that same family structure a part of their lives. But, you know, they probably just don't feel for them. Jeff writes in and says, after listening to the Equilibrium podcast, I was thinking of other good films that hit that bad cliche opening. The first Lord of the Rings movie opens with a voiceover, a flashback that involves several betrayals. Sauron betrays everyone at the beginning with the magic rings, and one ring then betrays Isildur, and then Gollum. The voiceover specifically says the ring betrayed them. That's three double crosses in less than three minutes. And I even think there is text on a black screen, though it's in a made-up language. There you go. That's pretty good. Joel writes in and says, Dear Joel, I like to begin my email in typical yes, that bad fashion with a flashback. (laughs) (laughs) So there I was some 10 weeks ago listening to episode 75, the Twilight Saga Eclipse. I was moving. I was grooving. I was flying through the air with the greatest of ease. I was even listening to the podcast shirtless, much like fellow Team Jacob supporter Kevin, who, as we all know, is named after the fine actor Kevin Klein. (laughs) So it got to the email portion of the show, and right off the bat, the first emailer made a comment that stunned me. Apparently, this person felt that your former female co-host from back in the early days had funnier moments and better chemistry than you and Martin. When I first started listening to the show, I was knocking out episodes faster than the rising temperature in the Yes That Bad world headquarters. I was moving, I was grooving through all your podcasts. When I got to the episode of Vanilla Sky, I heard the typical, and I'm Martin, followed by the not-so-typical, and I'm Carissa. I changed the episode immediately and deleted it off my iPod right then and there. I even shouted, boo! (laughs) Through cupped hands and switched over to a normal episode. (laughs) 
So imagine my surprise when I heard it was actually worthwhile to listen to this quote-unquote amazing chemistry between Joel and the woman who left the show for reasons we will never know because the cast of... Wait, the the chemistry between Joel and the woman? (laughs) (laughs) Because the cast and crew of Yes, That Bad all signed non-disclosure agreements, which is very true. No, it is very true. (laughs) So I moved and grooved over to iTunes, re-downloaded the episode again, and let's just say that the chemistry between you two was, dare I say, Aniston Butler levels. Whoa. <laughs> to say it was Kutcher Heigl would be an insult to the killers, the movie, <laughs> and the band. <laughs> I am so glad that for whatever reason, she will never be back on the show. I'm not sure if you broke up with her, accidentally ran over her with your car and had to dump the body, or if she had a sex change and turned into Kevin, as one listener suggested. You are better than that, Joel. You are too much of a beefcake to put up with a flaccid turd like Carissa. <laughs> The chemistry between you and Martin is a trillion times better. Plus, thanks to a garter toss gone wrong, Martin is single at the moment. Just keep that in mind. What does that mean? Then I'm going to hook up with you? I like, I, I like how it just like really insinuates the entire time that you were at one time dating Carissa, but the chemistry between us is way better, so we should date each other. Thanks for reading my email. Look forward to more last in the future. I love you guys. There you go. There's a kernel of truth in there? A grain? Yeah, yeah. There's A there's, microfilament of truth? There's, there's some truth. Kevin has no idea. He wasn't around during this era. No, I don't know any of this stuff. There's some truth in there. Listen, the truth is out there. Let's just say things happen, feelings were hurt, and we just cannot bring them up. Lives were broken. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some are responsible and some more than others. Some more than others. <laughs> They'll pay. <laughs> Dennis writes in and says, Hello, guys. I am writing to you guys because I wanted to let you know you help me get through work. Time flies when I listen to you. The downside is that I literally die every time Martin whispers funny lines. It's Martin's whisper voice. Hilarious. Martin's whisper voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I also remember you guys are pro-incest. I referenced episode seven. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Keep up the good work. (laughs) Oh, and I pictured Kevin as a young Dennis Quaid. A higher compliment I have never been paid. There you go. Truth. Let's hear your the Martin's whisper voice. Let's just say, I like Wincest. Grace writes in and says, Hey guys, a question and a recommendation. Joel, how did you come up with the idea for doing the podcast? And review Speed Racer, the Matrix dudes remaking a Japanese anime from the 60s. It's made for this show. Give it the great work. Okay, Grace, the backstory of the podcast can be heard in episode 38, The Mummy. We go on that at nauseum. Yeah, <laughs> I get nauseated talking about it. Yeah, Joel has morning sickness at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's always at night. As for the Speed Racer one, that is the true lost episode of the podcast. We'll probably never make it to the air. Perhaps we'll redo it, Kevin, as a premium episode, or maybe someone will sponsor it. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Justin writes in and says, since Breaking Dawn is no doubt on the radar for you guys, here's a link to the io9 article that confirms, according to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, that Bella is in an abusive relationship. (laughs) (laughs) That girl needs to call the police or Illuminati or whatever. Anyway, when you get to the next installment and may God have mercy on you. It'll be awesome if you read this on your podcast. Yeah, I read this link and it's pretty true. It's like, does he control you? Does he tell you what to do? Does he hit you? It's like, yeah. He does more than hit her, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of violence there. Yeah, so I'll post this link in the show notes. Jason writes in and says, "Uh uh-oh, guys, the world's finest actor, Dennis Quaid, is having a new show on CBS this fall called Vegas. Will you be watching? Absolutely, I know all about it. And were you being sarcastic about Gavin Rosdale and Constantine. I thought he was brilliant. Love the podcast. So glad I found it last month. Uh, I was absolutely not being sarcastic about Gavin Rosdale in Constantine. I thought he was phenomenal. I, I, he had the best line delivery in that entire movie. And I, I'm actually, I actually really like Bush. Like that's one of the. F- First, I mean, I guess when grunge was at its peak, I really got into them. I am pro yeah, Gavin Rosdale. Yeah, breathe in, breathe out. He was good. He was really good in Constantine. Yeah, no, he was. There was nothing we said in Constantine that we didn't uh, that we didn't mean. No, no. Okay, look. In regards to what we previously said about this show, there's only one episode where we <laughs> meant everything we said and it was serious, and that's the Constantine episode. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. Now it's time for the question of the week, and the question comes in from DJ Clive. DJ Clive writes in and says. 
says, What is your favorite movie death? I personally can think of a few. Richter getting his arm ripped off in Total Recall, the toxic waste death from Robocop, Brad Pitt getting ping-pong between speeding cars and Meet Joe Black, which incidentally was the only good part of that movie, but the one that tops my list from the Richard Pryor Gene Wilder movie See No Evil, Hear No Evil, where the villain gets shot, falls out a high window, and comically bounces off a rock before plummeting down a deep canyon. So fake looking, yet so satisfying. My favorite movie death, the first thing that came to my mind was in Watchmen when Rorschach throws the boiling oil on that guy in prison. That's amazing. My favorite movie death has been and will always be the Robocop toxic waste death. He gets, it falls on him, then he like kind of stumbles over like, and <laughs> it gets hit by a van and explodes. That is incredible. I like in Braveheart where Mel Gibson busts through the guy's door when oh, he's yeah, in yeah, bed yeah, on yeah. the horse with the mace and smashes his face in. That's a really good scene. A guy gets his head chopped off while he's kissing his ass in that movie as well, which I thought was pretty funny. Okay, once again, the question is, what is your favorite movie death? Head on over to YesThatBad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. Okay, next week's movie is The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension. Now, none of us have seen this, right? Nope. I haven't seen it. I've never seen this. I heard of this movie. I know that it's pretty important. I know that it's like a cult classic, and I know that it's referenced in Life Aquatic. That's how I know about it the most. Who referenced it in Life Aquatic? The, do you remember the at the end of Life Aquatic when they were at, during the credits when they were all walking together? Yeah. That's taken straight off of Buckaroo Bonsai, apparently. Really? So, I'm looking forward to this movie. I'm excited for it. Mm. Cult classic stuff right here. So next week's movie will be Buckaroo Bonsai. Tonight's movie was sponsored by Albatross, but I think we've reached our sponsor quota <laughs> yeah, for now. Say I think so. so. Yeah, we're booked up until next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable response to this, right? Yeah, yeah thank you I, everybody. The support's for... been great. Thank you so much. I can't even believe it. Can we thought, well, how many people did we think we're going to sponsor? Two if we were lucky. Three at the max? Yeah. Unbelievable. The outcrying of support. So what we've decided to do is we're going to leave the sponsorships open for a week, all right? So by this time, next episode, it's going to shut down. The window's going to close for sponsorships because then that way we'll be able to get through the backlog and then maybe we'll reopen it at a later date. Yeah. So if you want to sponsor a movie, you got to get it in during this week because by next episode, we're going to shut it down for now. Once again, thank you for everybody who sponsored and we're just going to try to work our way through what we have at the moment. And by the way, uh, update for people coming soon, very soon, our next next premium podcast will be coming out. It's currently in the works. It's pretty good. Yeah, let's, let's just say that it's a it's about a movie that is universally hated. Big summer blockbuster. Huge summer blockbuster. I don't know if it's universally hated, but I'm not a fan. Generally. Yeah, it's generally hated. Generally. It ruined a lot of people's childhoods, apparently. It ruined, That's it, that is that is a fact for me. So there you go. That should be coming in a week or so. Hopefully. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook. You can do that at facebook.com slash yesthatbad. You can follow us on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. And don't forget, you can still get our premium podcast, The Last Airbender, from yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. Oh, something interesting about the Bandcamp site. You know, a lot of people haven't been able to download it because they want to get it through their mobile devices and they, they can't figure out how to do it. Well, Bandcamp has solved the problem. They've made new mobile versions of every Bandcamp website. So now it's easy for you to go on your phone and buy the episode. You can stream it right there. It's all one, two, three, and you're done. Cool. Sweet. Okay. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next time. What that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Rotten Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, did I already say that? <laughs> you want to start from here? Wow. You, <laughs> God, you really, you, you mad, really, mad Mardigan sword really I, fucked that up. I didn't you, do anything. You guys shoved it up my ass. You, <laughs> you really I'll, ruined me. I'll do that next time, man. Yeah, it's that bad intro. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to... Yeah, it's that... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be hello and welcome to episode whatever of Yes. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps it should be that. Like every other episode we do ever.